What's happening, food eaters? This is the Food Labels Revealed podcast with your host, Mel Weinstein, personally dubbed the self-professed prophet of processed foods. A new podcast is released at the end of every month. This is episode number 32. In today's show, you'll once again get to test your knowledge of processed foods. There will be a quiz, but don't panic. Don't get nervous. Don't bail out on me. What's the worst thing that can happen? As Alfred E. Newman likes to say, not to worry. It's all for fun and education. Note that with this quiz, you won't have to turn a paper in. You'll be able to score it yourself. And if you do poorly, your parents won't be getting a note from me. Now, for you new listeners, you might be feeling ill-prepared. That's likely. And with 99% certainty, it's also unlikely that you're going to not go back and listen to the previous seven episodes. So, just relax, sit back, and consider this quiz as just a learning opportunity. For those of you new to the podcast, here's a wee bit about myself. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and chemical research. And for many years, I've had a fascination some may call it an obsession, with the processed foods we eat, what constitutes those foods, and what they could be doing to our health. Because of my many working years in the food ingredient industry, I also bring to the table some inside information on this subject. To my knowledge, this is the only podcast that is dedicated to looking behind the processed food curtain at all of those strange and unusual ingredients that populate many of the foods on our grocery store shelves. Note, this is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It won't cost you a penny, and I won't beg for money. There are no sponsors or financial supporters. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and I refuse to help promote any business, commercial product, or organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you're informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. All right, let's get going. Episode 15 introduced the first food ingredient quiz. I was shocked to find out how popular that show was. At the time, it was the fourth most popular one in the series, but now it's the 11th. In episode 24, the second food ingredient quiz was given, and it's currently the second most popular show. Who'd have thunk? I figured that listeners would shrink away from taking a test, but I was obviously wrong. Today, I'm going to ask you 20 multiple choice questions based upon what I talked about in episodes 25 to 31. I'll read each question twice, provide the answer, and then some commentary. If you're not familiar with the topics addressed in these questions, just do the best you can. Okay, food eaters, get your physical or mental pens ready. It's time again to poke your brains. If you're doing something dangerous, like steering a nuclear sub, or doing a spacewalk, just keep track of the right answers by folding your fingers and toes. All right, I'm going to read each question twice uh, before providing the correct answer.
question number one from episode number 25 on the hidden ingredients of beer i mentioned a little history from the middle ages Beer became very popular in the area of Europe we call Germany today. Which of the following statements is not true? A. Beer was in such demand that it had to be officially rationed. B. The breweries were staffed and run by peasants working for aristocrats. C. Beer was considered so sacred that a purity law was mandated for its production. D. Initially, beer had only three ingredients water, barley, and hops. Okay, again, from episode number 25 on the hidden ingredients of beer, I mentioned a little history from the Middle Ages. Beer became very popular in the area of Europe we call Germany today. Which of the following statements is not true? A. Beer was in such demand that it had to be officially rationed. B. The breweries were staffed and run by peasants working for aristocrats. C. Beer was considered so sacred that a purity law was mandated for its production. D. Initially, beer had only three ingredients, water, barley, and hops. The right answer is B. The primary brewers of beer in the Middle Ages were monks in monasteries, not uh, prepared by peasants working for aristocrats. Number two. Again from episode 25, according to federal law, all of the following facts must appear on a beer label except A, the type of beer, for example, ale, B, the name and address of the bottler or importer, C, a nutrition facts label, D, a health warning. Reading that again. From episode 25, according to federal law, all of the following facts must appear on a beer label except A, the type of beer, for example, ale, B, the name and address of the bottler or importer, C, a nutrition facts panel, D, a health warning. The right answer is C, a nutrition facts label. In recent years, there has been some debate regarding whether alcoholic beverage should have nutrition facts labels, but currently it's not a requirement. Question number three. Again, from episode 25, we've come a long way from Germany in the Middle Ages when the ingredients in beer were limited to water, barley, and hops. Nowadays, all kinds of other ingredients are used. Which of the following classes of natural ingredients would not be found in beer? A. Other grains like oats and wheat. B. Enzymes to help the fermentation along. C. Sweeteners like honey and sugar. D. Dairy products like milk. Again, from episode 25, we've come a long way from Germany in the Middle Ages when the ingredients in beer were limited to water, barley, and hops. Nowadays, all kinds of other ingredients are used. Which of the following classes of natural ingredients would not be found in beer? A. Other grains, like oats and wheat. B. Enzymes, to help the fermentation along. C. Sweeteners, like honey and sugar. D. Dairy products, like milk. The correct answer is D. 
dairy products like milk. To my knowledge, dairy products are not found in any beers. However, derivatives of milk products like casein, a milk protein, and lactose, milk sugar, may be used in the processing of some beers. Also, there are fermented beverages like kefir, made from milk that contains small amounts of alcohol, but they are not classified as beers. Question number four. Episode number 26 reported on current news in the world of food. A groundbreaking study was released in January 2018 in the British Medical Journal. It confirmed what many people long suspected, that a diet high in processed foods increased the cancer risk. Which of the following findings was not revealed by this study? A. Processed foods were typically high in salt, sugar, and oil. B. A 10% increase in highly processed food intake was linked to a 12% rise in cancer rates. C. Eating barely 2 ounces of processed meats per day increases the cancer risk by 18%. D. Diets high in gluten content greatly increased the risk of colorectal cancer. Again, episode 26 reported on current news in the world of food. A groundbreaking study was released in January 2018 in the British Medical Journal. It confirmed what many people long suspected, that a diet high in processed foods increased cancer risk. Which of the following findings was not revealed by this study? A. Processed foods were typically high in salt, sugar, and oil. B. A 10% increase in highly processed food intake was linked to a 12% rise in cancer rates. C. Eating barely 2 ounces of processed meats per day increases the cancer risk by 18%. D. Diets high in gluten content greatly increase the risk of colorectal cancer. If you said D, you were absolutely correct. Gluten in processed foods was not revealed as a cancer risk. Question number five. There was a hamburger showdown in episode 27 where I compared the ingredient breakdowns and nutritional aspects of a McDonald's meal versus a Burger King meal consisting of a hamburger, fries, and shake. Counting all the ingredients in the McDonald's meal, how many did I find? A. 17 B. 53 C. 108 D. 122 Again, there was a hamburger showdown in episode 27 where I compared the ingredient breakdowns and nutritional aspects of a McDonald's meal versus a Burger King meal consisting of a hamburger, fries, and shake. Counting all the ingredients in the McDonald's meal, how many did I find? A. 17 B. 53 C. 108 D. 122 Did you pick C. 108? That's right. Just imagine preparing that Big Mac meal in your kitchen. Of those 108 ingredients, 73 of them were unique. You'd spend hours and hours and hours gathering up 73 ingredients to make this meal at home. Question number six. The special sauce for the Big Mac had a special component which I named as the ingredient of the day. 
since I hadn't come across it before in the podcast. It was propylene glycol alginate. What is its purpose in the sauce? A, a thickener. B, a preservative. C, a sweetener. D, a taste enhancer. Again, the special sauce for the Big Mac had a special component which I named as the ingredient of the day, since I hadn't come across it before in the podcast. It was propylene glycol alginate. What is its purpose in the sauce? A, a thickener. B, a preservative. C, a sweetener. D, a taste enhancer. And the answer is A, a thickener, also called a stabilizer or emulsifier. It's made from the cell walls of brown algae, and that's where the word alginate comes from. Question number seven. Both burger meals were characterized by large amounts of the three horsemen of the processed food apocalypse, salt, sugar, and fat. Guess what percentage of the Burger King meal contained these three types of ingredients? A, 5%, B, 11%, C, 29%, D, 51%. Again, both burger meals were characterized by large amounts of the three horsemen of the processed food apocalypse, salt, sugar, and fat. Guess what percentage of the Burger King meal contained these three types of ingredients? A, 5%, B, 11%, C, 29%, D, 51%. The correct answer is C, 29%. As I hypothesize, food sold in fast food restaurants is really just another instance of ultra-processed food, rich in salt, sugar, and fat, and intentionally designed to get people hooked on flavor, convenience, and price. Question number eight. When the nutritional elements of the McDonald's and Burger King's meals were compared on the same basis, that is the same weight, what was the most startling finding? A. The McDonald's meal had twice the amount of sugar, fat, cholesterol, and sodium. B. The Burger King meal had twice the amount of protein, fat, and fiber. C. Both meals turned out to be surprisingly healthy. D. In terms of sugar, fat, cholesterol, and sodium, there were hardly any differences. Again, question number eight. When the nutritional elements of the McDonald's and Burger King meals were compared on the same basis, that is the same weight, what was the most startling finding? A. The McDonald's meal had twice the amount of sugar, fat, cholesterol, and sodium. B. The Burger King meal had twice the amount of protein, fat, and fiber. C. Both meals turned out to be surprisingly healthy. D. In terms of sugar, fat, cholesterol, and sodium, there were hardly any differences. Now, if you said D, you were right on. In terms of the normal measures of nutritious food, Both the McD's meal and the BK meal are equally bad for your health. Question number nine. From episode number 28, which was a news show, I mentioned one of the latest buzz phrases in the processed food industry. What does clean food refer to? A. 
processed food that is made to appear more natural and wholesome. B, food that has been sanitized to remove pathogens. C, food which is resistant to contamination. D, food that will kill bacteria on contact. Again, from episode number 28, which was a news show, I mentioned one of the latest buzz phrases in the processed food industry. What does clean food refer to? A, processed food that is made to appear more natural and wholesome. B, food that has been sanitized to remove pathogens. C, food which is resistant to contamination. D, food that will kill bacteria on contact. The right answer is A, processed food that is made to appear more natural and wholesome. Terms such as authentic, real, simple, and fresh are often used interchangeably with clean. The trend includes such things as avoiding artificial ingredients like synthetic colors, preservatives, and unpronounceable food ingredients. Question number 10. Again, from episode number 28, an example of a clean food was clean meat, a rapidly developing industry which we'll be hearing a great deal about in the next five years. How is clean meat made? A. Food animals are raised without any added chemicals such as antibiotics. B. Meat is obtained by culturing muscle cells in a nutrient media. C. Strict and comprehensive sterilization procedures are followed in slaughterhouses. D. Food workers in meat plants are required to wear special clothes and wash their hands frequently when handling meat products to prevent foodborne diseases. Repeating question number 10. From episode number 28, an example of a clean food was clean meat, a rapidly developing industry, which we'll be hearing a great deal about in the next five years. How is clean meat made? A. Food animals are raised without any added chemicals, such as antibiotics. B. Meat is obtained by culturing muscle cells in a nutrient media. C. Strict and comprehensive sterilization procedures are followed in slaughterhouses. D. Food workers in meat plants are required to wear special clothes and wash their hands frequently when handling meat products to prevent foodborne illnesses. Did you choose B. Meat is cultured? The biotechnology industry, the people who brought us fermented food additives like lactic and citric acids, is getting into the production of meat, fish, and seafood. The process is considered clean since the the whole thing can be tightly controlled from beginning to end to create a healthy and sanitized product. No longer will blood, urine, and feces be involved, and no longer will bacterial contamination be passed along from the animal and slaughterhouse workers to the consumer. Question number 11. Breaking news in episode number 28 revealed the biggest changes coming to the nutrition facts label in the last 20 years. Which of the following changes to labels on food packaging was not mandated by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA? A. Realistic serving sizes must be posted by the manufacturer. B. The amounts of vitamins A and C no longer are required. C. The calories per serving does not have to be specified. D. In addition to the total sugars value, a separate listing for added sugars will be included so consumers can easily tell the difference between sugar naturally found in the food 
and the sugar that's added for sweetening purposes. Again, question number 11. Breaking news in episode number 28 revealed the biggest changes coming to the Nutrition Facts label in the last 20 years. Which of the following changes to labels on food packaging was not mandated by the Food and Drug Administration? A. Realistic serving sizes must be posted by the manufacturer. B. The amounts of vitamins A and C are no longer required. C. The calories per serving does not have to be specified. D. In addition to the total sugar's value, a separate listing for added sugars will be included so customers, excuse me, consumers, can easily tell the difference between sugar normally found in the food and the sugar that's added for sweetening purposes. And the correct answer is C. The calories per serving no longer have to be specified. That's false. In fact, because of the obesity epidemic in this country, more emphasis is being placed on calorie intake by requiring food manufacturers to use a larger bolded font for the word calorie. Question number 12. Episode number 30 addressed the hidden ingredients in beef, the chemicals you would never see listed on the label of a package containing beef. Of course, that's really irrelevant since packages of raw beef are not required to name any chemicals, hidden or otherwise. In this episode, an important federal agency, the FSIS, was mentioned, the Food Safety and Inspection Service. Its job is to monitor the meat produced in slaughterhouses to assure that it's safe for human consumption. In 2017, the FSIS inspected one in how many cows? A, 110, B, 525, C, 1400, D, 4600. Again, episode 30 addressed the hidden ingredients in beef, the chemicals you would never see listed on the label of a package containing beef. Of course, that's irrelevant since packages of raw beef are not required to name any chemicals, hidden or otherwise. In that episode, an important federal agency, the FSIS, was mentioned, the Food Safety and Inspection Service. Its job is to monitor the meat produced in slaughterhouses to ensure that it's safe for human consumption. In 2017, the FSIS inspected one in how many cows? A. 110 B. 525 C. 1400 D. 4600 The right answer is D. 1 in 4600 So, less than 0.025% of slaughtered cows were tested for contamination. The agency says that they don't need to test more than that number of animals since they use a reliable statistical algorithm to determine violations in the larger population. Question number 13. The FSIS tests cows for a variety of contaminants. Which of the following does the FSIS not test for? A. Herbicides. B. Antibiotics. C. Toxic metals. D. Hormones. Again, question 13. The FSIS tests cows for a variety of contaminants. Which of the following does the FSIS not test for? A. Herbicides. B. Antibiotics. C. Toxic metals. D. Hormones. 
The right answer is A, herbicides. Believe it or not, the government does not consider herbicide residues as sources of contamination in beef. However, they do test for pesticide residues. So go figure. Question number 14. In 2017, which class of contaminants were found the most often in tested beef samples? A. Hormones. B. Pesticides. C. Antibiotics. D. Growth inhibitors. Again, in 2017, which class of contaminants were found the most often in tested beef samples? A. Hormones. B. Pesticides. C. Antibiotics. D. Growth inhibitors. The right answer is C. Antibiotics. That's not surprising at all. Alarmingly, about 70% of the antibiotics sold in the United States are given to beef cows, wreaking havoc on the effectiveness of the drugs used for treating human infections. Question number 15. Various chemicals are used in the processing of beef that don't have to be revealed by the livestock industry. Which of the following is not one of those chemicals? A lactic acid, B, bleach, C, ammonia, D, detergent. Again, various chemicals are used in the processing of beef that don't have to be revealed by the livestock industry. Which of the following is not one of those chemicals? A, lactic acid, B, bleach, C, ammonia, D, detergent. The right answer is B, bleach. We all know that bleach removes color, and although it would be a great disinfectant for beef, it would also remove the traditional red color of the meat, turning consumers off to the product. Question number 16. As mentioned earlier, beef eaters prefer their meat red, at least when it's raw. However, beef exposed to oxygen in air slowly loses its red color and changes towards brown or gray. To prevent or slow down that undesirable change, meat packers use modified atmospheric packaging in which a gas mixture is injected into the shrink wrap. Identify the active agent that's used. A. Carbon monoxide. B. Methane. C. Nitrogen. D. Cyanide. Again, for question 16. As mentioned earlier, beef eaters prefer their meat red, at least when it's raw. However, beef exposed to oxygen and air slowly loses its red color and changes towards brown or gray. To prevent or slow down that undesirable change, meat packers use modified atmospheric packaging in which a gas mixture is injected into the shrink wrap. Identify the active agent that's used. A carbon monoxide, B, methane, C, nitrogen, D, cyanide. And the correct answer is A, carbon monoxide. Actually, as most people know, carbon monoxide is also a poisonous gas, but its concentration is very low uh, when used in the modified atmospheric packaging process. Carbon monoxide reacts with ambient oxygen to prevent the browning effect of the meat. Question number 17. On the cooked side of beef, 
There are some groups of hazardous chemicals that form when beef is heated to high temperatures on a stove or over a bed of charcoal. Which of the following is not one of these chemicals? A. Heterocyclic amines. B. Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. C. Advanced glycation end products. D. Aristolochic acids. Again for question 17. On the cook side of beef, there are some groups of hazardous chemicals that form when beef is heated to high temperatures on a stove or over a bed of charcoal. Which of the following is not one of these chemicals? A. Heterocyclic amines. B. Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. C. Advanced glycation end products. D. Aristolochic acids. The right answer here is D. Aristolochic acids. These are hazardous chemicals, but they're not found in cooked beef. They are constituents of some herbs and have been linked to bladder cancer. Question number 18. Episode 31 was the second show to compare meals in fast food restaurants. Namely, in this episode, Chipotle Mexican Grill versus Taco Bell. A meal composed of a beef burrito, chips and cheese sauce, and a soft drink were compared. Which restaurant served the least amount of processed food in their meal? A. Chipotle. B. Taco Bell. C. No difference between the two. Again, episode 31 was the second show to compare meals in fast food restaurants, in that case namely Chipotle Mexican Grill versus Taco Bell. A meal composed of a beef burrito, chips and cheese sauce, and a soft drink were compared. Which restaurant served the least amount of processed food in their meal? A. Chipotle. B. Taco Bell. C. No difference between the two. And in this case, the answer is A. Chipotle. That restaurant prides itself in serving fresh, whole foods with very few additives. Question number 19. From the perspective of nutrition, which restaurant served the unhealthiest food? A. Chipotle. B. Taco Bell. C. No difference between the two. Again, number 19. From the perspective of nutrition, which restaurant served the unhealthiest food? A. Chipotle. B. Taco Bell. C. No difference between the two. Here the answer is A. Chipotle. That was a surprise to me. The Chipotle meal, when, com when adjusted for a similar weight basis, was significantly higher in calories, fat, cholesterol, and sodium than the Taco Bell meal. Question number 20. One measure of a high-risk meal in a fast food restaurant is the total number of ingredients. The higher the number, generally the unhealthier the meal. Which meal, Chipotle or Taco Bell, had the higher number? A. Chipotle. B. Taco Bell. C. No significant difference between the two. Again, for 20. One measure of a high-risk meal in a fast food restaurant is the total number of ingredients. The higher the number, generally the unhealthier the meal. Which meal, Chipotle or Taco Bell, had the higher number? A. Chipotle. B. Taco Bell. C. No significant difference between the two. And the correct answer is B. Taco Bell. The Taco Bell meal had 118 ingredients, while the Chipotle meal had 73.
Hey foodies, uh, here's a bonus question. Uh, when I taught chemistry, I sometimes felt generous towards my students and gave them another chance. If you get this one right, you can eliminate one of the wrong answers from your score. So here's the bonus question from episode 31, comparing Chipotle Mexican Grill versus Taco Bell. I found a new ingredient in the Taco Bell meal, which I had not seen before in earlier food evaluations. The ingredient of the day was fumaric acid, an additive in the flour tortilla. What type of additive is fumaric acid? A, an antioxidant. B, a coloring agent, C, an acidulant, D, an emulsifier. Again, from episode 31, comparing Chipotle Mexican Grill versus Taco Bell, I found a new ingredient in the Taco Bell meal, which I had not seen before in earlier food evaluations. The ingredient of the day was fumaric acid, an additive in the flour tortilla. What type of additive is fumaric acid? A, an antioxidant. B, a coloring agent, C, an acidulant, D, an emulsifier. Here, the correct answer is C, an acidulant. The acid in the name gives it away. It helps control the acidity of a food and also imparts a tart or sour taste. Okay, everyone, go ahead and tally up your score by dividing the right answers by 20 and multiplying by 100. If you got 93 to 100%, give yourself a high five. You are a food ingredient genius and should be teaching a course on the subject. You did great. If you got 87 to 92%, that's a darn good score and you're entitled to some bragging rights. A score between 73 and 86% is decent and shows that you're pretty knowledgeable about food ingredients and processed foods. If you scored between 53 and 72%, you could use some improvement. Just hang in there and continue to listen to the Food Labels Revealed podcast. If you got less than 53%, you may want to listen to the shows more than once. But don't worry, you will do better over time. Well, it's time for some news. I want to take a few minutes to report on an article from Consumer Reports published on August 29, 2018, which dovetails nicely with the subject matter of Episode 30 on the hidden ingredients in beef. The title of the article is, Are Banned Drugs in Your Meat? And I placed a link to it on the Food Labels Revealed podcast Facebook page. In the beef episode, I discussed in some detail the mission of the Federal Food and Safety Service, FSIS, the USDA agency which examines and reports on contaminations found in meat produced in slaughterhouses. Using the Freedom of Information Act, Consumer Reports discovered drug contamination data that was not released by the FSIS. The drugs included chloramphenicol, an antibiotic linked to anemia and banned for animal use, ketamine, an experimental antidepressant and also used as a street drug called Special K, phenylbutazone, an anti-inflammatory not approved for humans, which is sometimes given to lame cattle, so they will not be flagged as they walk through the slaughterhouse gates, and nitroamidazoles, which are antifungals that are likely 
carcinogenic. Apparently, the USDA is not reporting these findings to the FDA, who regulates the use of drugs in livestock farming, because they claim that the levels are not significant enough. However, they are not following the same hazard thresholds that other regulatory agencies use. I'll post a link to the article in the show notes. Also, there's a very good summary of the report presented in a 15-minute video called What's Really in Your Meat. Let's put this show to bed. Thanks for listening, food eaters. If you could leave a review, good or bad, at the iTunes store, I would greatly appreciate it. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed at the hosting website called Podbean at www.podbean.com or by searching online for the title Food Labels Revealed. And of course, you can listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by installing any of the available apps like Apple's Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and many others. Well, what do you think of this podcast? Please share your thoughts by emailing me at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed, all one phrase, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll get back with you next month when I will be evaluating the three worst fast food restaurant items in the United States in terms of their nutritional value and quality of ingredients. In the meantime, take care of yourself, and if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music entitled Not As It Seems, was composed and performed by Kevin McLeod.